All right, all right. Man, what a great night so far. These are the kind of nights where uh, I literally just don't want to get up and teach. I just think we should keep playing worship music and just be good with that, right? We should do that sometime. I think we will, actually. But hey, I'm excited to uh, be back to continue this series. But before I get into what we're talking about tonight, first of all, do you guys love this jacket? Or Thanks, thanks. It's fly. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to say about it. I love it. Anyways, um, so before I get into that, I want to talk to you guys about one thing, uh, and that is small groups. we got small groups launching. If you go to a 12-song campus on Sunday mornings, uh, you already heard about it. But we have our own kind of C12 small groups that we're doing, and we have a brand new way of you signing up for those. And so not only if you want to, you can go... Like if you go to the Brazelton campus on Sunday mornings, you can go online. We have a 12-stone app, which is pretty dope. You can go on the app, download the app. You can go on there and search for a group that you want to be in. Any group, you just pick one. If you want to be in a, a young women's group or, or, I mean, obviously if you're a guy, don't sign up for that one. But like you pick whatever group you want to be in and sign up for it. But we do have a, a couple kind of specific C12 groups that we'd love for you to be a part of. And so you'll see those uh, slowly start to entering slowly start to come on the app. We're still trying to get them uploaded. It's a brand new thing, and so some of them are not completely on there. But if you'll pay attention just the next week, maybe continue to go on there and just look for them, you'll see all the groups say something like, we are a part of the C12 uh, ministry, and so you'll be able to identify them like that. And uh, we'll give you some more details next week as we get uh, deeper into it. Cool? Cool. You love New York? I love New York, too. I want to go there. Sorry, she has an I Love New York shirt on. It's pretty awesome. Hey, uh, tough crowd tonight. All right. Uh, we've been in this series called Avoid the Wreck for the past two weeks. And kind of the premise of it is we're talking about, man, we want to do everything that we can to avoid big wrecks in our lives. Like you and I, we've all seen, we've all watched someone maybe close to us, a family member or somebody, uh, you know, go through their life and then make one decision or maybe a series of decisions that were not so great and it completely wrecks their life. And so uh, to the best of my ability, and I believe you would probably agree, to the best of your ability and with God's help, we want to do everything we can to avoid wrecks in our life. But the truth is that you can be a Christian, you can be a follower of Jesus and still make decisions that alter your life completely. And uh, some would say wreck your life. Maybe you don't want to use that language, but they alter your life completely. And so we want to come around this idea of wisdom and how do we make the right choices in life. And so that's kind of what we're talking through because you and I have one thing in common. I believe this is true about you. I know it's true about me. Is that you want a life of great reward and little regret. Isn't that true? Don't you want that? You want, you want to come to the end of your life and go, man, I had a life of great reward and very little regret. And so that's what we've been talking about. And so the first week, uh, if you remember, I brought the whiteboard up here and drew a problem on the board. And I won't repeat it, but it was a pretty uh, bad problem. And the, the problem leads to a product. Just like in math, you have a problem and then you have a product. Or you have a pattern, which gives you a product. And we talked about how uh, your patterns in life give you product. And li life is a lot less of random circumstances and a lot more of... Uh, the patterns that you establish give you a certain product. And so we said, if you don't like the product, then change the, right. If you don't like the product, then change the pattern because the pattern leads to a product. And so we talked through that. And then last week I introduced to you a question that I believe will change the trajectory of your life if you'll just begin to ask it. And that question is a very simple question, but it can do a lot for you. And the question is, what's the wise thing for me to do? 
Anytime I face a decision, an opportunity, or an invitation, ask the question, what's the wise thing for me to do? And then we talked about it in three different kind of angles that you can look at it. If you remember, we said that in light of my past experience, what's the wise thing for me to do, right? In light of what happened last time, what's the wise thing for me to do? Number two, we said in light of my current circumstance, what's the wise thing for me to do? And then number three, which I think is probably the most influential, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? In light of my past experience, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? And this is a much better question than what's the right thing for me to do or even what's the legal thing for me to do? What's the wise thing for me to do? And here's why this is such a transformational question. And here's why if you're a non-Christian in the room, if you're not real sure about following Jesus, here's why this is such a, a transformational question. You can ask yourself, what's the right thing for me to do? And maybe you, you should. You should also ask yourself, what's the right thing for me to do? But even at that, you and I both know that when I ask what's the right thing for me to do, even at that, sometimes I pick the wrong thing. Anybody else just want to admit? Even if I know what the right thing is, I still lean sometimes to the wrong thing. And so oftentimes there's this blurriness of I know right and I know wrong, but yet I lean to wrong. Or maybe even if you ask what's the right thing for me to do, then you start talking to yourself and going, well, I don't know. Who even decides what's right? I mean, right is kind of, you know, just up to anybody, I guess. Who even decides? Like you start talking to yourself and making all these weird things. And so right and wrong, I don't, know, I don't think it's the best question. The best question is what's the wise thing? For me to do. Because when you put it in the perspective of in light of my past, in light of my current, in light of what I want in the future, in light of what I want my life to become, what's the wise thing for me to do? You put it in a perspective that says, what do I want my life to be? What do I want to become of life? And whatever that is, then what's the wise thing for me to do to get there? So if I want a future marriage family that looks like this, well, then is it the wise thing for me to just have this random hookup that's going to bring me a lot of emotional baggage or physical baggage, and I'm going to bring that into my marriage, and then maybe the marriage that I want can't happen because I'm bringing in all this other stuff? Is that really the wise thing for me to do? You can take it however specific you want, but I would encourage you just to ask yourself the question, what's the wise thing for me to do? And let me tell you this. Uh, if, if you don't ask yourself this question, what you're telling yourself is that you don't even have your best interest in mind. If you won't even ask yourself, what's the wise thing for me to do in light of where I want to be one day in life? If you won't even ask that, you don't even have your best interest in mind. And then let me go further. If you don't even have your best interest in mind, who is going to have your best interest in mind? Because I promise you this, you care more about the future of your life than the person to the right or to your left of you. You care, you, more than anybody else in your life, you care the most about your life. And rightfully so, you should. So if you won't even ask yourself that question, then who is going to ask it for you? So I would encourage you just to ask it. Ask the question next time you encounter an invitation or an opportunity or, or a decision, however big or small, just ask the question. What's the, in, li in light of my past, in light of my current circumstances, and in light of where I want to be, is this the wise thing for me to do? And I think it may reveal some things to you. But tonight, 
Tonight, I just want to spend the next few minutes uh, talking out of the book of Proverbs, which uh, I'm sure some of you are like, of course he is. That makes total sense. Um, but I think it'll be helpful to us. And so I want to uh, just read a couple of verses out of Pro- Proverbs. Before I do that, let me just, um, let me just present to you another um, idea that uh, hopefully will convince you to ask the question, and it's this. No one plans, have you ever thought about this? No one plans on wrecking their life. How many of you woke up this morning and said, man, I hope I make a terrible decision that completely destroys my life? Anybody? Yes, no one did. Congratulations, 100%. No one woke up and said, I plan on wrecking my life today. No one gets married thinking, man, I plan on divorcing this person. And uh, do it. yeah, that'll be great. No, no one does that. None of us plan, no one, no one plans on wrecking their life. The problem is, is most people don't plan not to. No one plans on wrecking it, but most people don't plan not to wreck their life. And I just want to propose to you tonight that maybe asking the question, uh, what's the wise thing for me to do, is the best way for you to start planning on not wrecking your life. You still with me here? Good. I'll, I'll tell you, um, Let's get, let's get personal. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, let's get personal. That's an awkward thing to say. You probably shouldn't say that. I, uh, let's just be real. We'll just be real with each other. Um, so when I was like 19, um, gosh, I'm so old. So, yeah, so almost a little over 10 years ago, uh, when I was 19, um, I was like, I went, I went off to school for a little bit, and then my sophomore year of college, I moved back home, went to what was then Gainesville State. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Any UNG people? All right. It was then Gainesville State. Now it's different. But uh, I went there, and I was living at home and uh, just trying to adjust to life, now living back with my parents and that kind of thing. But I was just kind of going through this um, series of life, this uh, just time of life where I was searching for uh, what I wanted to do in my future, not like career, but like who I wanted to become. And, and uh, I grew up a Christian, but this was, you know, like many of you, this was the time where I really had to own my faith. Like this was no longer me living it out because my parents told me to. This was, man, is this really what I want to live out? Is this really a thing? And so, uh, man, I just had a couple years of, of honestly not living it out and making some unwise decisions and having some regrets in my life. And so I was, I was just hanging out with, you know, high school buddies I went to high school with and just getting caught up in the same thing over and over and over again. And I remember uh, one Tuesday night, so a Tuesday night, uh, me and my buddies, uh, we started drinking a little bit. I'm 19, so I was, you know, underage. But I remember just being at my buddy's house, and we started drinking, and, uh, and then we said, let's, let's go bowling, because that seems like the fun thing to do after you've been drinking. So um, so let's go bowling. So we, uh, we called up a friend, a, a girl that, you know, fortunately had not been drinking, but she decided to, to drive us. And so uh, that was a wise decision, I guess. Um, but so she began to take us to uh, Stars and Strikes up there by the Mall of Georgia. And we're on Satellite Boulevard, and she made an unwise decision to speed. And so um, she gets pulled over. We get pulled over. And uh, that night, I won't, I'll spare you all the details, but the next two, three hours of that night were pretty awful for me. And were really life-changing for me. And, um, you know, did the whole, like, breathalyzer thing. And 
So should have been taken to jail, but the officer had some, some grace on us for some reason. And so just called my parents. I had all of our parents come pick us up. And I, I don't, maybe this to you, maybe you're like, oh, that's no big deal. Austin. I've done a lot worse than that. Uh, <laughs> for me, that was kind of a big deal just because of uh, my family and, and my dad's a pastor. And so, um, you know, I was, I was kind of the rebel child of the family, right? I got three sisters and they were all angels. And so, um, and then I did this. And so I remember going home that night and, uh, you know, it was just kind of a, a really turning point in my life. But I remember now going, okay, I've got some decisions to make. And the biggest decision I made is I said, man, if I stay here, I'm going to stay with these friends and there's no way I'm getting out of this. And it's going to just continue to go downhill. So I said, in light, and I didn't ask it like this, but I, I remember thinking, in light of where I want my life to go, in light of what I want for my future, What's the best thing for me to do here? And for me, for me, it was a big step. And for me, I decided to move off to college to enroll at Liberty University, six and a half hours away in Virginia. And for me, that was a step of going, man, this is really tough. And I got friends here. I got memories here. And, you know, this is my turf or whatever. Um, and for me, it was tough. I had to move away. But I said, in light of where, where I want to be in life one day, I think this is the wise decision. So I would encourage you that it won't always be easy. And whatever the wise decision is for you may, may cause you to really uh, dig down deep for some courage because it won't be comfortable. But it's always the best thing if you'll ask yourself, what's the wise decision? So I want to tell you tonight a couple of scripture verses out of the book of Proverbs. And uh, this guy, the guy that uh, writes the book of Proverbs is a dude by the name of Solomon. How many of you have heard Solomon before? Solomon is, uh, he was the third king of Israel and uh, he was considered the wisest man to ever live. Check this out. God actually gave him the gift of wisdom. Say what? Some of you guys have the gift of playing piano. Some of you guys have the gift of cutting hair. This dude had the gift of wisdom. Life is made for this guy. And on top of that, he was the richest man to ever live, and he was a powerful, powerful king. But he had the gift of wisdom. So Solomon writes three books in the Bible. They're some of the best ancient literature that we have today. It's the Song of Solomon's, Song of Solomon, which you probably weren't allowed to read when you were a child because it's all about sex and it's awkward and weird. But if you think the Bible's boring, go check it out. It may interest you a little bit. Uh, he wrote that. He wrote Ecclesiastes. And he, he writes the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is all about him giving you insight and understanding, going, hey, I've been around for a little bit. Uh, I'm the wisest man to ever live. I have the gift of wisdom. Let me help you out by giving you some insight into life. And he's actually writing to his son. Uh, so it's, I'm telling you, you ought to read this and just pay attention and think about the patterns in your life, think about the decisions in your life, and uh, I promise you it'll help you. So let me... Uh, let me tell you kind of three people that he writes to in Proverbs. One, he writes to the simple people. He writes to the mockers. And then third, he writes to foolish people. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you a fool? Right. It's kind of offensive, isn't it? <laughs> Proverbs is, is uh, the book of Proverbs is a little aggressive. Solomon's a little aggressive, and the book of Proverbs can be Kind of offensive, but uh, let's just have some thick skin in here tonight, and let's go for it, because I believe he's got a lot to teach us. So he talks about fools. 
And uh, I want to talk directly about fools tonight, not about the simple or the mockers, but about foolish and what that means. Um, here's how you can identify a fool. A fool is someone who knows the truth, knows right, who knows wisdom, knows what the wise thing is for me to do, and says, I just don't care. It's like, hey, bro, don't you know what happened last time you made that decision? Don't you think the same thing is going to happen? And Yeah, but I just don't care. Okay. Hey, don't, don't, don't you see kind of how this is going? Like, don't you know that this is probably going to lead to this? Yeah, but I just don't care. Foolish people just don't give a whatever you want to put. They just don't, they just don't care. Foolish people just say, I just don't care. Whatever the consequences are, I just don't care. And the reason why I want to talk about that tonight is because I think that's probably the most predominant um, uh, posture in today's world and in our culture. I just don't care. So Proverbs 26, 11 is the first verse I want to read to you. It says this. Proverbs 26, 11. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit... So fools repeat their folly. Let's all just picture that for a moment. Dogs returning to their vomit. Good, you got that picture in your head? As dogs return to vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Hey man, don't you, don't you remember last time you guys decided to watch a movie on her couch? Don't you remember what happened? Yeah, yeah, but I just don't care. Or... Yeah, it won't happen again. Like a dog returns to his vomit, a fool returns to his folly. I want to read you another one. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 23. A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. A fool finds pleasure. Remember, remember the last time how that's how you, you chose to respond to this decision and it took you three weeks to get over that? Remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. But it was fun. Okay. You remember last time what happened? Yeah, but that was fun. Really? Remember all the pain? Remember all the nights you cried on my shoulder because of what happened? Yeah, yeah, but, but it was fun. No, it wasn't fun. It wasn't. But a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. Listen, if you have habits that are destroying your body, you're a fool. I, uh, that's offensive, I know. And you say, Austin, that's offensive. I'm never, I'm never ever coming back here. Yeah, you will. You know when you'll come back? You'll come back whenever you face the consequences of it. You'll come back whenever, one word, one word, tragedy. Because whenever you find the consequences of foolishness, the cure for foolishness is tragedy. The cure for foolishness is tragedy. Many of you have hit rock bottom. Matter of fact, the two fellows that I baptized, as a phrase that they've used when talking to me, they've hit rock bottom. Rock bottom is often the cure for foolishness. Rock bottom is the cure for foolishness. And you say, dude, it's my life, it's my time, it's my money, it's my body. I'm not hurting anyone else. It's my decisions. It's my thing. I want to tell you something else. 
your foolishness has blinded you to your selfishness. Your foolishness has blinded you to your selfishness because it's not true. Your foolishness hurts other people around you. Always hurts other people around you. It's never just you in this equation. It's always other people. I was reading in um, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, whoever, this is, this is good, listen up. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools suffers harm. The companion of fools suffers harm. The tragedy is not just that you may wreck your life. The tragedy is that you may harm other people. In fact, it says the companion of fools suffers harm. Like, here's, here's one thing that I encounter a lot. A lot of newer Christians, a lot of newer Christians face this. They go, hey, uh, we're supposed to love everybody and serve everyone as believers. This is what Jesus did. Love everyone. I completely agree. You should love everyone. But a lot of times that is an uh, attitude or an action, but it doesn't mean you have to uh, surround yourself and build your life with foolish people because the companion of a fool suffers harm. Listen, you may be the most wise person ever, but if you only surround yourself with foolish people who make foolish decisions, you will suffer harm. You're like, Austin, you sound like my dad right now. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm sorry. But it's true. And some of you have lived long enough to say, gosh, I've seen that actually. I've seen that. That my own life can be hurt because of the decisions of other people. And let that just be kind of a big like wake-up call maybe to you that your own life and the decisions that you're making will not just hurt you. They will hurt the other people around you. And you will come back and you will say, yeah, but those weren't my intentions. Okay, but they're still hurt. You say, yeah, 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 but that's not what I was trying to do. Okay, but they're still hurt. Yeah, but that's, I didn't want that. Yep, they're still hurt. Your decisions and your actions, if they're foolishness, you will harm others. You will. Be careful who you surround yourself with because the companion of a fool suffers harm. I was, uh, I'll give you another example kind of around the same time in my life. I was 19 years old and all that stuff and, and going through some of that same stuff. And I remember I sat down with my dad, um, who I, I would say is just a really wise man and, and I'm grateful for him. But I sat down with him and um, he found out that a lot of the people I was hanging out with were, were, were drinking. And so um, this was kind of late high school or whatever. And so um, he said, Austin, do you, uh, he said, do they, are they doing drugs? I remember this conversation was a real, um, you know, we didn't talk like this a lot. So this was a big moment for me and my dad. And he said, are they doing drugs? And I said, no, dad, get out of here, man. You know, it's just a couple beers, dad. It's not that big of a deal. He said, okay. He said, okay. And he said, Austin, I guarantee you, give it a few years and they will be. He said, dad, get out of here. You're so judgmental. My, my friends are good friends, man. They wouldn't do that. Just a couple. Can I tell you something? He was right. And I'm not saying that always happens. I'm not saying that happens to your friends or whatever. I'm saying that was the case with mine. And I'm so grateful that my dad had the guts to say, son, if you keep hanging around fools, your life is going to start looking like a fool. You may want to start considering who you're hanging around. You show me your five best friends and I show you where you'll be in five years. Don't surround yourself with foolishness. Almost done, almost done. The wise seek understanding. The wise think about everything within the context of the future. 
The wise know what they don't know, and they're not afraid to listen to people who do know. The wise don't let their arrogance and overblown self-esteem drive their relationships. They're learners, wise are. So I want to end uh, just by giving you a kind of a danger. And I, and I know this is not the most encouraging talk, right? But, but I just really, man, my prayer, my hope for all of you is that you would have a life of great reward and little regret. So if you just, just give me a, a little bit of grace and let me just kind of talk as somewhat of a, a spiritual mentor to you. I just really don't want you to walk down something that's going to wreck your life. Let me just give you a little bit of kind of a danger. You can be a fool. It's possible for you to be a fool or to be foolish for so long that you won't even be able to hear wisdom. You can sit in a foolish seat for so long that when someone tries to give you advice or someone tries to pull you out or someone tries to speak wisdom to you, it's just you don't even want to hear it. You can't even hear it. And you can be a fool for so long that your situation, listen, is almost hopeless. It's possible that you can be a fool for so long that your situation is almost hopeless. Listen, not from God's love. This is not from God's love's perspective. You're never hopeless with God's love. But you can be a fool for so long that it may lead you to a hopeless circumstance as far as the human experience. And here's what I'm, I'll just give you an example so you know what I'm talking about. It's like a, it's like a guy who gets addicted to porn early in his life and for years struggles with this. And then he gets into a dating relationship and he just can't beat this struggle. And then he gets married and he brings it into his marriage. And then what happens is he still can't get over it. Still can't get over it. And God, he's a Christian, and God loves him, and he's forgiven. But he has this battle in his life, and he's continuing to sit in foolishness. And he can't leave it. Foolishness just sits in it. And now he's married. Now he has kids. Now he has a whole family. And then one day, his foolishness of pornography leads him now to want actual like women in real life. And now he has an affair on his wife. And his foolishness, he just sits in it for so long, and now his whole family is destroyed. Everything is destroyed. And now his human experience in life, although he is forgiven, and although God's love and grace is endless for him, his human experience is so destroyed because of decisions he made and because of foolishness that he sat in. And unfortunately, no matter what change he makes, unfortunately, no matter what happens in his life, he may never, ever be able to get his family back together. Are you following with me? And that's what I mean by it's possible for you to sit in foolishness for so long that your whole life experience can be wrecked. And I just would hope that this was a giant caution sign to wake you up and go, man, it's possible that the very one decision that you're making today leads to multiple bad decisions and then leads to a whole wreck that you definitely didn't want. It's possible that that happens. And I could read you an entire uh, almost an entire chapter in Proverbs that I'm going to uh, bail on because I don't think we have time, but this Proverbs where, where um, Solomon is writing and he's writing, um, he's speaking as a woman and he's, spe- he's saying, this is, wisdom is a woman and wisdom is crying out in the streets. She cries out in the streets begging you to not go down the path of foolishness. 
begging that you don't do it. Let me, I'm going to read it anyways, okay? Y'all, y'all okay? I'm like trying to explain it. Like, yeah, I just need to read this. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. It says this. It says, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate. She makes her speech. Now listen, this is wisdom speaking. This is not God speaking. This is wisdom speaking. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call wisdom, And no one pays attention when I stretch out my hands. Since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. Such aggressive language. When disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind. When distress and trouble overwhelm you. This is wisdom going, at some point when you sit in foolishness for so long, It's going to overtake you. Verse 28. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways. Listen, you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. And if you sow and sow and sow into foolishness, you will reap foolishness. One of the um, hardest things as a pastor, we're not done, we're going to finish reading that few verses, but let me just pause right here. One of the hardest things as a pastor is sitting across from someone who uh, has wrecked their life, or maybe even, I guess as a counselor, you may experience this, um, if that's the field you're going into. But uh, sitting across from someone who's wrecked their life and just broken because of it. And it breaks me on the inside because I just feel for them. Man, it's been a tough life for you. But then I always think this thing, and and, and I struggle to say it because sometimes it's not appropriate, and so I don't say it. But I always think, what you want in life, you can't have. It's so hard, but what you want out of life Your decisions have led to such a destructive lifestyle and have such wrecked your life that really what you want in life, you're never just going to be able to have. It's like the the guy I just told you about, the father. Maybe what he wants out of anything is to have his family back. And I just sit across and go, dude, I hate this for you, but what you want in life, you may never ever get to have because you sat in foolishness for so long. Can I just be a giant yellow blinking light to you tonight and just go, it's possible that if you sit in foolishness for long enough, what you want out of life, your future hopes and dreams may not even be accessible. So while you have time, can I just encourage you? Can I encourage you just to investigate it a little bit and go, is this the foolishness that I want to live in? Because it might lead me down a path I don't want to be in. Let me just finish reading. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes for the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But, this is good news, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. 
Whoever listens to wisdom, can I encourage you tonight to listen to wisdom? Come on, you know. You know when you ask that question, what's the wise thing for me to do? You know the answer. Don't sit in foolishness any longer. Don't sit in foolishness any longer. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and we'll worship in a little bit. But we've kind of been, um, as we talk about this, for the past few weeks, we've talked about it from two different angles and, and really two different attitudes, I guess, from me. And one is the, the attitude of, let me just be a giant blinking yellow light at you, hopefully, and just wake you up some. And honestly, it's been a little bit of a wake up for me, too, as I study this stuff going, Austin, be careful. Be careful. Don't sit in foolishness. But the other side of it that I really wanted to incorporate into our talks as a community is that maybe you're sitting here going, dude, I've already wrecked it. I've already wrecked it. And uh, I'm living right now with some of the consequences of that. I've already wrecked it. If that's you, um, man, we've talked every week about the hope that can be found in Jesus and the good news of that. You may not be able to completely avoid all of the consequences of your decisions, like maybe that guy that I described. It may just be part of your journey. But the good news is, that when you put your faith and hope in Jesus, nothing is hopeless. That he can bring healing to emotional pain. He can bring healing to uh, a life that maybe you don't have to live with the same perspective or you don't have to live as a victim of life. He can bring such healing to you and to your regrets and give you a life of reward. He can do that for you. We talked last week about the woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus loved her so much that he said, woman, who condemns you? She said, no one. And he said, neither do I. Neither do I. But I love you so much. Go and sin no more because that stuff you've been involved in is going to take you out. It's going to wreck you. Go and sin no more. And I won't read the whole story to you, but if you remember in Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. You guys remember that story? It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But this son tells his father, hey, um, tells him early in life, like when he wasn't supposed to, maybe it's like compared to 15, 16 years old here. He says, Father, I want all of my inheritance. I want it and I'm leaving. And back then this was terrible for the father. This was a wrong thing to say. For him, he had to been broken because his son said, I want your blessing, but I don't want you. So he leaves his father, he leaves his family, he takes all the money and he goes and has a life of great foolishness, but a lot of pleasure. And he has this life of great foolishness, but a lot of pleasure, and he blows all of his money. But you know what? He finds himself in the pit, eating the same foods as pigs. Eating the same food as pigs eat. He's sitting in the mud, sitting around the pigs, and he's going, what have I made of my life? What have I done? And the scriptures say this one line, it's so like short and just sudden, but I love it. And it says, when he came to his senses, he remembered what was at home. When he came to his senses, do you know, I believe that maybe my job or maybe us as a community as C12, maybe our job is to help you come to your senses. To help you just go, gosh, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe the decisions I'm making are leading me down a direction and ultimately into a destiny that I don't really want. I hope, I hope maybe that you can just come to your senses tonight. But the good news is the story doesn't stop there. It says he came to his senses and he ran home. 
what he found was amazing, what he ran home to was amazing, and he ran home to his father, who went, son, I know you've blown everything. I know you have a life of regret. I know you've made a lot of bad choices, a lot of bad decisions, but I still love you. I still love you. And his father was waiting on him, and it's a beautiful story. His father kisses him, and he's sitting there trying to explain to his father, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he says, shut up, son. Just let me kiss you. Let me just hug on you for a little bit. And then he says, go get the best clothes you can find because the son was probably just covered in mud and smelt like a nasty pig. And his father said, go get the best robe that we own and put it on my son for he has returned home. And then he says, we're going to party together. And he throws a big party and he kills the best cow that they have to give him the best steak they have. This is what he does to his son. Can I tell you that if you've already wrecked your life, you're like the prodigal son running home going, Jesus, I've wrecked it, but here I am. And can I tell you, he doesn't point you back to your regrets. He doesn't point you back and go, yeah, but before you do that, you better say you're sorry about 12 times at C12, or you better go to C12 perfect attendance for a whole year before I accept you back. That's not our father. That's not our God. He says, I'm here. I want to clothe you with the best clothes, and I want to throw a party for you. So if I had to leave you with just something, I'd say this. Recognize your regret. Redeem your future. Recognize your regret and redeem your future. Go, you know what? Yep, that's my regret. Made some decisions. But I believe with God I can redeem my future and move forward, knowing that the best days are ahead of me with him. Redeem your future. And then I'll just throw in this one because I like it. Release a praise. That's what we're going to do. Release a praise. Recognize regret. Redeem your future and release a praise. Just like the prodigal son, they didn't go back in and have like a little prayer meeting and real quiet and somber and cry a whole lot. No, they said, let's party for the son has returned home. There's a great praise. Let me tell you, there's a great praise in heaven when a son or a daughter returns home to their father. When you return home to your father, say, I recognize my regret. I believe best days are ahead of me because I walk with Jesus. Man, he's worthy of a great praise. So we're going to close tonight with a worship song, one of my favorites. And I would just encourage you, uh, maybe if that's you, if that's your story, that you just release a praise that God hasn't given up on you. Yeah, you've wrecked it, but he's still there. He has never left you nor forsaken you. Will you stand to your feet? Father, we thank you tonight that that is your character. That is who you are. And while it is true that we can follow you and still make a great wreck out of our lives, it is even more true that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So Father, I thank you that you have not given up on any person in this room. No matter how far they have gone, no matter how big the wreck has been, maybe it was just a little fender bender, but maybe it was a giant wreck. I thank you that you have not given up on them that you are still standing at home, looking for them, waiting for them to return, waiting to give them a giant hug, to put the best clothes on them, to cook them a great meal, and to throw a big party because you rejoice when a son or daughter returns home. So Lord, I pray that you would give the courage to each person in this room to recognize their regret, but to redeem their future, to take a hold of wisdom, to turn from the foolishness, take a hold of wisdom and redeem the future that you have for them. So Lord, we worship you tonight. We thank you for who you are. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.